So, are you DTFX? Hey, welcome back to DTFF, everyone. Happy Tuesday evening if you're joining us live. As you can see, we've got a full panel joining us this evening. We And we are talking all things AFC South. Uh, should be a great show this evening. We're going to have lots of fun. Uh, I'm going to start us off here by going around the room, letting everybody introduce themselves, uh, including my co-host. So let's start with him first. Jake, take the lead. I'm honored that you started with me, quite frankly. I'm Jake Trowbridge. And I, from an outsider perspective, by the way, this AFC South, I'm very interested to get into because I consider this the most interesting division in football right now. Yeah, should be a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully, if, if the pre-show is any indication, you know, there should be some good uh, uh, jabs going back and forth here. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, so we will uh, start off first with our Colts homer this evening, Pierre Wilson. Uh, good evening, sir. How are you doing? Good evening. Doing well, doing well. So Jake said it's going to be interesting. I don't think it's going to be. I feel like we're the, the odds-on favorite uh, there in the AFC South. So I'm not sure how interesting this will be, but we'll let the other guys talk and see if they can stake a claim for their team here. Uh, I love that confidence. So uh, before we move on here, Two questions for you. One, how did you become a fan of your team? And two, are you drinking and joining us this evening in that aspect? So the first one's uh, unique. So obviously we 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 stole from Baltimore. So I was a young tight when uh, the Mayflower went from Baltimore to Indianapolis, and I actually became a, a Colts fan as my uncle um, played at Illinois with Jeff George and Jack Trudeau. And the Colts training camp was in my hometown of Anderson uh, at the university there. So it was right there. I got to go up, meet, you know, Jack Trudeau, Jeff George. You know, I got a little sweaty wristband when I was a kid. And so I was hooked uh, after there. And uh, as for the beverage, yeah, I'm kind of basic, basic guy going with the, the Rockies tonight with Coors Light is what I got here. Keeping it light. Uh, it's a work night. But uh, that's how I became a fan. And that's what I'm drinking. Nice. You can't go wrong with the silver bullet. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next, we will kick it over to Eric Romoff. Welcome to the show, Eric. Same two questions to you, sir. Um, I guess I'll go in reverse order. I'm drinking Makers with a splash of Coke. Um, mm. And my Texans fandom, um, I, I guess it roots back to the early 90s. My, uh, my brother was having a birthday party where they went to an Oilers game. And I missed out on that game. I was not bought a ticket as a as a young tyke. And I was promised that I would go to an Oilers game the next season. And that was the season where they moved to Tennessee. Um, so I, I got to I got to sit in that scorn for six or seven years, probably maybe closer <laughs> to eight now, um, before before the Texans finally showed up. So when we got a franchise back, uh, jumped on in head first, and it's been uh it's been a bumpy ride. Understatement of the year, yeah. Eric. Right. <laughs> All right. Next, we will throw it over to Jesse Schuster, our Jacksonville representative here this evening. So uh, two questions for you, sir. How did you become a fan of your team? 
And what are you drinking this evening? <laughs> All right, good questions. Um, so I moved to Jacksonville in 2001 um, when I graduated high school, and I've been here ever since. So when 2001 hit, I wasn't really a Bucks fan um, from Tampa originally, so they weren't doing so well. So I was never really on the Bucks bandwagon. I started working with the Jaguars um, my first few years when I was in college, and then I kind of just got hooked from there. And that's all she wrote. I've been uh, the Jacks commish for our fantasy football league for quite some time. I've done a lot with the Jaguars, been season ticket holder for 15 years now. Um, my wife and I won ultimate fans one time. My son, my oldest son, five years old now, was the uh, ticket reveal little baby at one point where they had it had like a million views. So I've done a lot, quite a bit, as much as I can with the actual Jaguars. Um, second question, what am I drinking? Uh, funny story. This is the sleeper. I, I'm actually, I don't drink. So I'm drinking coffee right now. I iced coffee. <laughs> so nice. I'm, uh, I'll, I'll pound some back just to stay up with you guys and uh, enjoy the ride. Oh, You're going to have I more love... pep than any of us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I love a good iced coffee, especially in the summer here. Summer's starting to come along. It's so refreshing. Yeah. You'll start to notice the beads of sweat coming down my face. It's because I'm in my garage, like I talked about, and I am in Florida. So uh, it's pretty damn hot in here. <laughs> so iced coffee is the only way I go for right now. <laughs> nice. And then last but certainly not least, our Titans representative, the man that only has one name, Hollywood. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Um, for the questions, um, how did I get a Titans fan? I kind of just bounced around and for the love of football, because uh, naturally we didn't have a team. And then uh, thankfully Houston, you know, they uh, they stunk so bad. They said, hey, let's just move this thing to Nashville. So uh, thank you for that. And um, <laughs> once they moved here, I was like, you know, hometown team, going to go with it. So been a Titans fan ever since. Had a few rough moments, but uh, we've got it rolling now with the King. So everything has to come through Nashville if anybody wants that. All right. I love that. All right, Jake, you, when I introduced you, you failed to let the folks know out there what we are drinking this evening. So why don't you quickly I'm do so that? Oh, sorry. I disappointed everybody in that respect. But tonight we are drinking from Lakefront Brewery, a Wisconsin Milwaukee beer. It's an East Side Dark, dark lager. Dustin, this is a German lager uh with german yeast i guess i don't know it's dark and it's delicious though i'll tell you that much uh, and we're in this dreary <laughs> kind of in between with seasons right now where it's supposed to be springtime but it's not really springtime so this fits the mood i think pretty mm -hmm. well yeah absolutely and you picked out a good one jake this is a delicious beer i do what i can i do what i can all right jake should we move into our drunk trade of the week here uh before we really get into our main event you betcha. Drunk, 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 hammer, drunk, 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 trade of the week. Gentlemen, this is an interesting one submitted to us from Natty Dubs on Twitter. So they say, I humbly submit uh, that the prying I did to get Kyle Pitts off of my buddy on the second night of this year's NFL draft. It came after several drinks. For reference, this is a one quarterback league, half PPR, nothing fancy, he says. Here's what he got. He got Chris Godwin, and he got Kyle Pitts. Now, he gave up Joe Mixon and James Conner. 
which is very interesting. So did a lot to get Kyle Pitts, was very excited about that. But in this weak class of running backs, decides to give up two pretty big names at the position right now. So let's go around the horn and see what everybody's thoughts are on this. This is not a dead giveaway in my perspective, like most drunk trades are in this show. So I think there's some interesting perspectives to be had. Pierre, what do you think about this trade? I, I don't hate it. Um, so it's it's tough with the two running backs. Obviously, Mixon uh, finally had his kind of breakout season. I think Connor's probably going to be the guy there in Arizona now that Edmonds is gone. So that, that hurts. But, I mean, Godwin was a stud when he was healthy. How he's going to return from his ACL is going to be another question. Um, and then tight ends, I, I think he always want to be second year on tight ends. They don't really – seem to, to really show their stuff that first year for some reason, that rookie season. So I think this could be the breakout year for Pitts, but you, you got two starting running backs that you gave up. So that, that hurts. I mean, that hurts given the, like you said, the class for one, but these are like full blown, you know, full workload probably are running backs that you just traded away. So I don't, I don't like it for that reason alone. I hear you on that for sure. And I like the second year aspect of Kyle Pitts, big on Pitts going into this year. Now, Hollywood, are you big enough on Kyle Pitts that this is worth it to you? I mean, if I'd like it a lot better if there was like a tight end premium or something or a little more point per reception, a little more, but uh, I think I have to go with the running back side here. I think that's where I would go. Uh, like Godwin, it wasn't a beast before he got hurt, and Pitts is clearly trending up. So he looks like he's going to be one of those next stars. But uh, I, I think fancy wise, I, I like the running back side just a little better. That is fair and good call out with no tight end premium. So no special treatment here for Kyle Pitts. Eric, if you trust that James Conner gets the same workload that he gets last year. This probably looks a little bit rough, I guess. What's your perspective on these running backs? Yeah, that's a that's a fair way to put it. Um, for whatever it's worth, I I don't necessarily trust that James Conner gets the same workload, or if even if he does, like he's just primed for some touchdown regression, right? Mm-hmm. So I think I think we're gonna see uh, a lower output this year out of Conner than we did last year. Um, you know, on on the whole, I think I think the format is really what makes this one uh, at least determines this this outcome for me. I, I like the running back side a bit more. Um, if it was full point PPR, if it was tight end premium, like Hollywood said, um, I'm I'm all over the pit side in that case. Um, you know, in in general, I think it's a it's a relatively fair trade, right? It, it'll hurt in the immediate term, but running backs are the easiest position to replace in all of fantasy, and I want to get as much pits as I can and get onto that positive touchdown regression for this year and presumably many years to come. So again, it's a, it's a coin flip for me, but given the format, I'll, I'll give the running backs by a hair. That's a great point about Pitts and the touchdown regression. I believe he was the owner of a, a sole lonely one touchdown last year, if I'm not mistaken. So Jesse, do you think that that goes up and are you high enough on Pitts, or are you on the running back side? I'm definitely on the tight end side. I believe in most of the formats such as this, having a premium tight end is, is where it's at. I also, with the James Conner um, news, you know, it was happened today where D. Williams got signed, and I think he's going to lose some carries to that. He was a 1,000-yard uh, all-purpose running back that just came 
uh, to Arizona today or yesterday is when they signed them. So I think people are, are forgetting to factor that in a little bit. Um, you kind of have to look at what what did the, the above team with the tight ends have at running back? You know, if they've got these two guys, do they have more on their bench? Do they have other guys that they, they'd afforded to give up the running back? If so, then they're, they're getting a premium here with the Kyle Pitts. I, I'm trying to scoop up Pitts everywhere I can go. Yeah, that's a good point, too. Patrick Mahomes vouched for his man Williams to get him on the Cardinals is what we heard today. So if you think that him and the new rookie in town there could uh, eat into Connor's value, then that's that's definitely interesting. Dustin, do you think that that happens? Are you team tight end or are you team running back here? I shouldn't be throwing Chris Godwin out of the equation entirely. I feel like I'm doing that. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's my opinion. Well, no, that's fair. Because Godwin, you know, he's he's going to come back, what, mid-season probably. And, and we know we won't see him return to his full form until the following season. So while he may play this year, we, we typically see that ACL recovery. Uh, you know, it takes them a little bit to get their game speed back underneath them. So, you know, this, this could be a total lost year for Godwin. But I, I really lean towards the Kyle Pitts Godwin side only because James Conner yeah he may have value this year immediately but uh, next year I don't expect that to happen where Kyle Pitts ascending asset Chris Godwin awesome Joe Mixon you know he's on a second contract we know running backs that are signed on their second contract usually don't make it till the end of that at the elite level that they've been playing at uh, and personally, I'm just not a Joe Mixon fan. So uh, my bias is already baked into that one as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I lean the uh, receiving option side uh, as opposed to the running backs, but just barely. It's it's a fairly even trade overall. I think this might be the most even trade we've gotten in here, at least in quite some time, if not overall. Mm -hmm. The fact that we are pretty split on this at least mm -hmm. speaks to the fact that, yeah, pretty fair value. Maybe we each have strong personal opinions about one player or the other player, but, you know, good on you, Natty Dubs, for, for not doing something so outlandish that we all <laughs> got to rag on you here in this segment. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the main event here. So... Uh, I just want to preface by saying for our guests here, uh, if, you're, if you're taking a look at the show sheet and you're following along, uh, I'm going to use the word notable for additions and uh, losses. Uh, I use that word uh, loosely, just, just so we're all aware here. Uh, I like to give that uh, disclaimer before we get going. So let's start first here um, with the Colts. And they finished... Second Let's not talk in about the division. The Let's not oh, come on. <laughs> Nine and eight in the division. <laughs> second, second in the division. Nine and eight overall. So uh, notable losses. Carson Wentz, T.Y. Hilton, Zach Pascal, Marlon Mack, and Jack Doyle. Additions to the team. Matt Ryan, Nick Foles, and Philip Lindsay. And in the draft this year, in the second, they took Alec Pierce. In the third, Jelani Woods. And in the sixth, Andrew Ogletree. So, Pierre, let's we'll start with you. Just give us your overview or thoughts overall here about your team, uh, kind of what you're expecting this year, your thoughts on the free agency, the draft, etc. Yeah, so I'm excited. I mean, I'm excited. I was excited last year. I was excited for Wentz. Uh, it did hurt going into Jacksonville, getting smacked when they are having clown masks up in the stands. And, you know, that was painful, but... I feel like we, you know, we 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 fixed the mistake. 
So we, we made a mistake. We probably shouldn't have traded for him. I think he's talented, but he's a nervous wreck. He watched Carson Wentz. Every play, you're terrified of what's going to happen. Is he going to get hurt? Is he going to throw an interception? So we don't have to worry about that. We got Matt Ryan. I know he's getting up in age himself, but, I mean, you look at what we did with Phillip Rivers a, a couple years ago during the, the 2020 season, 11-5, and five, had a chance to beat Buffalo there, Buffalo. And I think we could have that same type of year. Uh, I feel like the divisions, you know, it's very winnable. I know I spoke about that, but uh, the A.J. Brown trade, which I know we'll get to Tennessee, to me that was huge uh, for us. I feel like we have a top-notch defense. I know we're talking offense, but, you know, we got Gilmore, we got Ngakwe. So I really just like our team. And I feel like Matt Ryan is going to kind of be that captain to to bring it all together. Uh, young receiving core, you know, we didn't mention Paris Campbell. He's kind of an addition to me. I know it's uh, – can he stay healthy too? But you, you look at the talent that he had at Ohio State. If he can somehow stay on the field, he's going to be an addition. Uh, obviously, Michael Pittman, we're going to talk about him, I'm guessing, because he's probably going to be the top guy. And I really like Alec Pierce. Uh, called him Jordy Nelson Jr. Um, so I've seen a lot of Jordy Nelson. My wife's a Packers fan. We go up there every year, just so you know. But he kind of reminds me of, of Jordy Nelson on the tape, his speed being able to win jump balls. So I think he's going to help us as well. Jonathan Taylor, best running back in the league. I'm going to say it. I know you got King Henry coming up here, but I just feel like we have a really, really good team. The AFC South is winnable. I think we're going to have to win the AFC South, given how stacked the AFC is. But uh, I do. I think we'll be a 10-plus win team, and we'll give ourselves a chance there in the postseason. Jordy nice. Nelson Jr., you sure know how to get a couple of Packers homers on your side. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Watch the tape, man. Watch the tape. He's talented. Yeah, so uh, I want to start off uh, the, the Q&A section here. Uh, Matt Ryan, he, you know, he was awful last year uh, for whatever reason. Uh, is he a good target? As, as a late round or mid to late round QB addition for redraft this year? And how do you see him fitting in, uh, you know, to this Colts offense? So I think he can be. Um, you look at Carson Wentz. He was, he was technically a QB one up until those last two or three games of the season. Like he was up there top 10 uh, for the longest time. He played really well early on, fell off a, a cliff there at the end. But I think Matt Ryan still has the arm talent. Um, you look at what happened there in Atlanta. He really just had Kyle Pitts when you had the whole Ridley situation going on. He didn't have much to throw to. Um, I feel like Frank White's a, a really good offensive coordinator. He's going to get him in positions to be successful. Uh, I feel like the Colts are talented enough. I know our, our receiving core isn't that great itself, but I feel like we're talented enough. He's talented enough. We do have Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, who can also catch the ball out of the backfield that – Matt Ryan can can just be average and still be successful from a fantasy standpoint because of the position he's going to be in to, to be successful. All right. Throw it out to the uh, the rest of the group here. Matt Ryan, good late round QB uh, target for you all this year. Hollywood, we'll start with you. Yeah, I think so. Because they're going to – I think they're going to be behind in – in a number of games, not all of them, but it's definitely upgrade over what they've had in the past. So with the weapons they have with Taylor and them, you know, if you're looking for a quarterback later rounds, I think he's definitely worth the target. Okay. Eric, could he be a QB one for you in redraft this year? Or I mean, just a QB one finish? Yeah. I was, I was going to say, could he finish as a QB one? Maybe, right? 
Um, he's one of those guys that if I'm punting at the position, uh, I want, you know, two or three of this type of guy. And if he turns in a Carson Wentz plus type of season in 2022, then, you know, you got really good value on it. But um, I don't feel great if he's my primary starting option. Fair enough. And Jesse, how about you? Yeah, I think that uh, all the quarterbacks in this division are kind of lumped up in the same group. I mean, you could go 19, 20, 21, 22, and, and that's how they fall. It's just depending on where they, where they go from there. Um, for me and Jags fans, I think we kind of were cheering when Matt Ryan was coming to town. So I don't know if it's because we think he's washed up, but I think that they have done the carousel of quarterbacks with Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, now Matt Ryan. I think it's a plus for us, honestly. Yeah, they're team old guy at the wow. uh, the quarterback wow. position. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know we were attacking on this show. I thought <laughs> I do want to say, Pierre, Pierre, you made a great point though. I mean, yes, team old guy, but Carson Wentz, like you said, started off really good, and I consider Matt Ryan to be a much better quarterback for fantasy and otherwise than Carson Wentz. So I think Matt Ryan obviously gets a nod up. So I'm, I'm at least with you here. I think that he's a guy I'll I'll spoil it. I put this question in there because I'm really interested in him as my late (laughs) round guy. Now that could bite me, uh, but I I am interested. Mm -hmm. Same here. Same here. If I'm punting the position, um, like some of you have said, he's probably one of those guys that I will go after because I think he does have that upside. I mean, we've seen it before where he's put up QB one season, so he has that upside. I don't think he's totally washed up yet. So that's where I am with that. Uh, Next question here. Michael Pittman, is he going to take that step forward this year with the aforementioned Matt Ryan at the helm and, and be that wide receiver one that uh, a lot of us in the fantasy community think he can be. I think he has to. Um, we, we just kind of talked about the the weapons or lack thereof. Yes, we got Alec Pierce, but you know he's a rookie. It, it takes rookies a while to get adjusted unless you're a Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson type. Uh, you're not really expecting that type of production from a, a second rounder. Uh, we don't really have another vet, you know, after Pittman, we mentioned Paris Campbell can't stay on the field. Uh, you got rookie Alec Pierce. Zach Pascal's gone. Uh, he's with the Eagles now. T.Y. Hilton's still – he's in talks. I don't know what he's going to decide to do, but even with him, he's not going to be that difference maker. So Pittman's really 1A option when it comes to the pass catchers. You look at tight ends, the same thing. Like, who's going to be the tight end? You got Mo Alley-Cox, Kylan Granson, Jelani Woods, you know, Ogletree. Who knows? We don't know what that's going to be, the one known – it's Michael Pittman, and you would think that the quarterback is going to know that as well. Uh, can he, you know, get rid of some of the double teams, et cetera? Are we good enough to do that? I think Wright can get him open, so I do think Pittman can be that wide receiver one, and he might have to be if they don't bring in another veteran. Mm-hmm. Jesse, what do you yeah. think? Um, I absolutely love – as much as I hate Matt Ryan, I love my Michael Pittman just as much. Um what Matt Ryan does with his number one wide receiver is pretty amazing. And same thing with his number two. So when they do figure out who their number two wide receiver is, I think going back for last five years, Matt Ryan makes their number two receiver like top 24 or something, something pretty, pretty studly. So like you said, there's not a lot of mouths to feed, you know, Naheem Hines is going to be in there um, receiving a bunch, but Michael Pittman's it. And I I think Matt Ryan's going to lean on him pretty heavy in the early weeks. 
And like we talked about, this division is kind of wide open. So, you know, I'm not knocking the defenses, but they're just not a lot of elite ones compared to some of the other divisions. So I, I love Michael Pittman this year. Okay. Eric, do you agree? I do. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been stacking up Pittman shares as much as I can all throughout the offseason. I mean, he's coming off of a thousand yard season last year. Um, I think we're all expecting at least equivalent, if not incrementally better quarterback play out of Matt Ryan. And Jesse's point is, is spot on right over the course of his career. Ryan has absolutely locked in on the guys that he trusts. And Michael Pittman is the most dependable receiver in that core. Right. Um, so I, I do think that we're going to see an uptick in both his volume stats, but also in his scoring upside. I, I think this offense is going to be more effective and more efficient, and we're going to see a lot more of those jump balls uh, in the end zone that he really made hay on at USC. Okay. And Hollywood, I think we're all in agreement here that, that Pittman is going to be the guy. Do you see any any other wide receivers stepping up into that that number two role that um, you know some of the others were talking about here? And, and being fantasy relevant? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, they they ran with T.Y., and he's clearly gone now, so there's there's a little bit of a change of the guard, right? So Pittman's clearly going to be that guy for them. Uh, I think he's, he's the next one that's trending upwards, right? So you're getting Matt Ryan with him. I think that's good. Um, they lost Zach Paschal. Uh, they lost Jack Doyle. So they lost some of the – names that have been around a little bit, but they picked up an Andrew Ogletree in the third round, which I thought was a pretty good pick for them. Um, they still have a Mo Alley Cox, who I think is not getting enough talk here because, you know, with Jack Doyle gone, with T.Y. Hilton gone, Pascal gone, he's, he's going to see a few more targets, and he's been shown that he can be capable uh, of making an impact for them. So, if you're kind of looking for a low-key tight end, I think uh, Moelle Cox is a guy that you could look at. Okay. I was about to say the disrespect being shown to Mo Alley Cox throughout this segment—it <laughs> cannot stand. I mean, how do you disrespect a 12-foot guy like that? I you mean, know, I love Mo, but it, we can't act like Jack Doyle was Travis Kelsey. Like he had his opportunity with Doyle right. there and couldn't really take care of it. So. So is there is there going to be a tight end that we should focus on that will be fantasy relevant off the squad? I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of guys, but none that have really. I mean, yeah, Mo Ali Cox has flashed at times uh, in seasons, but nothing uh, of any consistency. So, do do we see someone being fantasy relevant, or is it just kind of avoid this tight end room at least to start the year until things kind of shake out with the new quarterback? And Jelani Woods being hyped up a lot right now, by the way, just to preference that. So curious. Well, if I think he's it. the one you, you got to take a chance on. So if you are, like none of these guys are really going to get drafted. So if you're going to pick one late, it's Jelani Woods. Uh, again, they use a third round pick on him. Six, seven uh, out of Virginia. Uh, really good route runner. Looks good so far in rookie camp as well. So you got to feel like they're going to give him an opportunity. We, we talked about jump balls with Pittman. Uh, six, seven, you can go up and get some jump balls yourself. So he could be used a lot in the red zone, even as a rookie. So if there's one, you're going to take a chance on, I think it is Jelani Woods. So that'd be the guy I would lean, uh, late in draft. Mm -hmm. Anybody else have some hard feelings one way or the other about this tight end squad here of who you should be targeting? And I think in redraft, I don't know if anybody, any of the tight ends are getting, uh, drafted in this entire division. Honestly, I mean, I love Ingram. 
that we, we picked up, but I just don't see anyone making it into an actual redraft league. You know, dynasty, I can see it happening, but as far as a normal standard league goes, I, I don't know if any of these guys get drafted <laughs> across the board. I'm shocked to hear a Jacksonville guy saying that, by the way, because we're going to talk about a new addition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, if nobody has any uh, strong feelings one way or the other, we will move on from the Colts here. And let's move over down south to the Texans. Um, they finished. Let me pull this up here because I'm a good host and have this at the ready. Uh, <laughs> they were 4-13 and 13 last year, finishing third in the division. So notable losses, Deshaun Watson, David Johnson, Danny Amendola, and Jordan Ekins. Notable additions, Marlon Mack and Dare, Dare Agumbawale. What up, Wisconsin? Uh, and then in the draft, John Mechie in the second, Damian Pierce in the fourth, and Tegan, I'm going to, we'll just call him Q because uh, I will butcher his last name. I'm sorry, Tegan. Quatoriano. Uh, thank you. Uh, in the fifth. Jake, you're here to save me. I appreciate that. <laughs> so let's start off. Eric, give us your overview of the team, opening thoughts, whatever you want to say here to get us going. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of funny to say this, talking about a 4-13 and 13 season last year, but I think this Texans team played better in 2021 than the talent on their roster dictated. Um, I give a lot of coach to, or a lot of credit to former coach David Culley to really coaching up a pretty ragtag bunch of guys to get to four wins. Uh, obviously, they let him go in the offseason and hired his defensive coordinator, Lovey Smith. So, um, kind of, kind of a weird carousel on the on the coaching front. But what else is new for these Texans? Um, you know, now looking at this team that they've started to put together, we were we were back into the first round of the draft for the first time in as long as I can remember. Um, so it's, it's definitely exciting to have some, some youth and some, um, some, you know, really solid looking prospects coming into the building. Um, you know, overall, I mean, I, I think we can maybe see them eke out another win or two kind of five or six win season. Uh, but ultimately this team is in the depths of a rebuild. So, um, you know, there'll definitely be pockets of goodness from a fantasy standpoint uh, available to managers out there, but, if you're looking at you know overall quality of product on the field, it's it's going to be a mess for another couple of seasons. Yeah, I can't say I disagree with you. Unfortunately, I, I'm usually the ultimate optimist here, but uh, I think realistically, yeah, you're right. They're they're in the midst of a rebuild, uh, and with Deshaun Watson gone, uh, and obviously he sat all of last season, and Davis Mills, who they drafted, I think that was a third round pick, if I remember correctly, from last yeah. last year's draft. Uh, Got the start all season long. Uh, looked surprisingly good, I thought, uh, for someone that wasn't really talked about coming into the season. Can he be the QB, at least for the short term here, you know, the next few seasons while they're in the midst of this rebuild? Yeah, I, I think he can be. Um, the only, I guess, place that I sort of hesitate or want to qualify my answer a bit with is when you say the next few seasons – that's kind of up in the air. I, I think at minimum, Davis Mills is the guy for 2022. Um, he's one of my favorite super flex kind of third QB options because he's super cheap and he's probably going to have the job all year. 
Um, so whenever I might need him, he'll he'll be there. Um, in terms of his, you know, his play on the field, I mean, he he certainly did better than most people, I think, even inside of this Houston organization expected, right? He came in, uh, he led all rookies in 300 yard passing games. He was second in completion percentage at almost 67%. So he had a pretty comparable year to the on-field productivity of like a Mac Jones. Um, you know, now we're looking at another year where they've continued to invest in this O-line. They've continued to add more capable and dependable pieces around him. Marlon Mack coming in. They obviously went out and drafted Mechie. They brought in Pierce as, uh, as a rookie as well. So there are more and more things at his disposal. So he, he should have some uh, somewhat of a platform to at least take a step forward. And if he does, I think he's kind of in that fringe kind of back-end QB2 range pretty pretty consistently. If he doesn't, then we get one year out of him and they fold up shop and we're looking quarterback with what will likely be a top five picks next year. Mm-hmm. Hollywood, do you, obviously for redraft that, you know, we're kind of staying away from him. Maybe, maybe he could be a bye week fill in for you uh, when your quarterback is out. But um, do you, do you agree that he's kind of your QB three in, in like a super flex league? Yeah, I could I could buy that because, uh, like Eric said, he's likely going to be locked in as the starter this year. Um, no real competition, um, and they've got bigger issues right now all around the team than just quarterback, right? So uh, he played last year. There's a little familiarity with that. Of course, there's a new coaching staff. Um, they've already made it a point to look at their defense, so I think – Barring something catastrophic like an injury or something like that, he's locked in as a quarterback. And like I said, they're going to be trailing a lot because this team clearly is rebuilding. Um, I think they're going to be behind a lot, so they're going to be throwing a lot. So there's going to be the volume is going to be there for him, right? And that's what you're wanting is the volume. So I don't think he's anybody I'm just going out to get and saying, hey, I'm putting all my eggs in that basket. But for a QB3, you could do worse, right? You know, there's so many uncertainties around the league at quarterback. Sometimes I, you could do worse. So the volume, him being locked in as the starter, I like it. I think he's an easy QB three. Yeah, Sam Darnold mm-hmm. exists, so there is worse out there. For sure. <laughs> there. There is worse. Yes, there is. Yeah. Um, so Jesse or Pierre, do either of you um, see any long term value? with mills or is or is it like eric said just kind of this season we're feeling pretty confident about it and then they're going to move on from him after this season um i like what eric said with what he did as a rookie you know this last rookie class was pretty solid i mean obviously trevor lawrence you know you got trey lance you got zach wilson you got Justin fields you got a lot of studs in there and and he was saying that he was the most 300 yard games a 67 percent accuracy or completion percentage i mean those are pretty solid numbers for a guy that you got in the third round. You know, it, it could be right. He still won four games. I mean, God, we would love to won four games, you know, and we had the number <laughs> one. So to me, I, I don't see why they shy away or, or get away from Mills going on further, like you said, for the next few seasons. If they're in a true rebuild mode rebuild mode, why not focus elsewhere when you have at least some right. consistency, some continuity with a quarterback spot. It's very rare to find that, especially with your late capital that you had. Like you said, it was the first time you guys had a first round pick. It was this year. That was a third round pick. You didn't have a first or second round pick 
and you went with Davis Mills. So you actually yeah. invested quite a bit in him. I don't see them getting away from that with, with that investment that they've made. That's a great point because they didn't draft a quarterback this year. No. So it, right. they didn't take anybody to challenge him. They didn't sign anybody really. So, I mean, he's like I said, he's getting the volume, lock into him this year because maybe next year or the year down, whatever, after you may look for a quarterback. So I think you just ride with what you've got right there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think the the Texans are really they're playing with house money here, right? Like you typically don't see even this, you know, kind of above average productivity from a third rounder and right. they're going to continue to invest in him and if he takes a step forward, great. Right. <laughs> keep, Maybe they fall into it, something right? here. Yeah, and if if not, like I I know that uh people are are generally more bullish on next year's quarterback class than they were on this year's, so um, you know, they're, they're giving themselves a lot of flexibility from a personnel standpoint. And I think that's ultimately a good spot to be in uh, as a front office. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's move away from the quarterbacks and let's talk the that running back room. Now they drafted Damian Pierce. They brought in Marlon Mack. Um, which, which of those two do you see really taking control of this backfield or do you see it really truly as a committee and, how high would you be willing to draft either of these running backs in, in redraft this year? Just from my perspective, I kind of see it as a committee um, right out of the gate. So um, Eric, what, what do you think? Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think it's going to be a committee, especially right out of the gate. Um, you know, ultimately for me, you know, the, the, the better fantasy asset is, is Pierce um, right now. He's going, about in the 10th round in underdog ADP. Um, I'm happy to get him a, about a round, a round and a half earlier than that. He's one of my favorite zero RB targets. Like if you're just entirely um, stacking up wide receiver, quarterback, tight end, and you need some late round option, Pierce is, is one of my favorite go-to guys there. Really the only thing that I think is keeping him from taking this job almost immediately is Pep Hamilton. The new offensive coordinator, we all know that Lovey Smith is a defensive-minded coach, brought in Pep Hamilton from the Colts, who drafted Marlon Mack and played a role in bringing him in as a free agent. So I think at least for the first quarter of the season or so, Pep is really going to make it a point to try to get Marlon Mack a little bit of shine. Ultimately, the cream will rise to the top, and we'll see Pierce take over, in my opinion. Um, but that relationship between the OC and the new newly signed free agent, I think, will... Uh, kind of muddy the waters as we start the season. Mm-hmm. Pierre, do you agree with that? I don't. Um, I think Marlon Max the cream personally, and I, I've seen it up close and personal uh, being here. So you're talking about a, a thousand yard rusher uh, before his Achilles injury. And when you look at the the new healing of Achilles, you know, you kind of saw Cam Akers there late for the Rams. Like nuts. usually running backs don't come back from Achilles and they're coming back now. And, and Mac didn't play much. Um, a lot of that because he didn't want to play special teams. So he got a lot of inactive on game day because he didn't want to play special teams. But when it comes to just uh, the running back burst, he has it. He's still hitting hose, um, still look great uh, with uh, the limited carries that he did get. Only, what, 25, 26 years old, I believe. So, I mean, the, the talent's still there. I feel like he's a year removed now from that Achilles, and I think he's going to take over uh, this this running back here in, in Houston. And I feel like if, you, if you're getting him late, uh, you're going to be very thankful you did because he's he's going to be their top back, is my personal opinion. Ooh, I like that. Um, Jesse? 
who do you agree with, Eric or Pierre here? Who who are you going to uh, focus on as far as this backfield this year? Hit them against each other. You have to pick a side. <laughs> <laughs> This is, this is not a smear campaign, but I'm going with my boy Pierre. Uh, I'm a Mac attack guy. Unfortunately, a few years ago, that's when the Colts played us and we won our first game of the season, and then we lost 15 in a row. But the most devastating part was seeing Mac go down with that Achilles injury in that game. Um, I was really high on him that year, and I do feel he has the talent to come back. Like he's, like you said, Pierre, I think he's 25. Um, so he's still got a lot of years left, and he, he doesn't have a lot of mileage because of that injury. And, and like you said, last year he had a lot of, uh, did not play. So I'm all aboard the Mac train. Yes. Hollywood. Are, are you going to leave Eric by himself here thinking that Damian Pierce yes, is the guy? Yes, I am. I'm going to pile on. You know, the Pep Hamilton comment was good uh, where I was going with that, but also Lovey Smith. He likes his veterans, and he's he's. This is year one for him in Houston. He's got a lot of issues, a lot of things he's got to fix. So you you can't really just hang a rookie in there and say, "Hey, kid, this is it." So I think if Mac is healthy, now that's clearly the key. If he's healthy and back to what he was in his prime with uh, Indy, then yeah, he he's going to take this and run with it. Now for how long, I don't know. I can't. Not exactly sure on that, but I think he's definitely the play here. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, yeah. No. Sorry, Eric. You're on your own here. Mm. Um, hey, I kind of agree with Eric. <laughs> I'm kind of on board with Eric here. Uh, wait, wait to stay I in the middle, Jake. Him. Yeah, I like to. I like to play both sides, and so that way I always come out on top. But I have drafted a lot of Damian Pierce second round of rookie drafts, thinking like, ah, oh, volume will eventually catch up. So I'm, I'm maybe it's more of a hope. Mm-hmm. All right, let's finish off the Texans talk here, talking about the wide receiver core now. The Texans have one of the most underrated, disrespected tight ends, I feel like, in history uh, with Brandon Cooks. Uh, we love him on our, our podcast here. Big fans. We know he's going to get his. Uh, I mean, we saw it last year. Uh, we've seen it everywhere he's been. Who out of the rest of this wide receiver core is going to step up and be like the true secondary target on this team? Yeah, I think the the answer really boils down to what John Mechie's recovery from an ACL tear looks like. Um, there's, there's a lot to like about this kid coming out of Alabama. He, he does sort of the kind of Alabama things, right? He runs really clean routes. He's quick off the line. He's got dependable hands. But he suffered a really late season ACL uh, tear. So if that delays him to the point where it's impacting his time in OTAs and in camp, then I think that will ultimately delay his impact on the field when we get to actually play regular season games. And so if that's the case, I mean, the the guy to take a step forward there is Nico Collins. We saw him really come on more and more as the season progressed. Um, he, he really got into a, a, a good rapport with Davis Mills. He became more and more the downfield and jump ball option. So that definitely indicates that there's some trust there. And presuming that it's a bit of a slow ramp up for Mechie, I mean, that that leaves a lot of opportunity on the table to fill, right? Uh, over the course of his 13 games, Mills averaged about 30 attempts per game. So, you know, if we're, we're talking roughly 500 passing attempts over the course of a season. Brandon Cook saw eight and a half, nine per game. So there's a lot of passes to go around. This is a team that we're anticipating to be 
trailing and behind a good amount. So they should be they should be seeing a lot of garbage time productivity. And when you're down, when you need to make up big differences, big point deltas, that deep ball, that jump ball is where to go. So Nico Collins is probably going to be that guy for me as we head into the season. Definitely one of my favorite targets in best ball as well. Mm-hmm. Do the rest of you agree, Nico Collins, the, the secondary receiver we should all be focusing on? Yeah, yes. I think so. It won't be Chris Conley. I can tell you that because it wasn't in Jacksonville. <laughs> it wasn't in Kansas City. But I like Nico at Michigan, so I do think the roar uh, with Mills is going to help. So I, I agree. And Nico was a hot name last year, right? And this time mm-hmm. last year, he he was a hotter name coming out of the draft. So um, he did get better, going a little better and develop a, a better rapport going down the stretch. So, yeah, I could easily uh, see him being that number two guy, which makes you kid uh, very well step in and make an impact too. So I'm not ruling him out. But, yeah, I think it's Collins and uh, I'm buying all the shares of Brandon Cook. I can right now. Uh, he's mm-hmm. so underrated and he just – I mean, you go back and look at it. The freaking kid has put up numbers everywhere he's been. It doesn't matter what team or what style of offense. He puts up numbers. It doesn't matter who his quarterback is. So, I mean, if he can stay away from some of the concussion exactly. stuff, you know, that he's had or injuries, whatever. But other than that, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's move down to the Jaguars here. So, they finished 3-14. and 14. Last in the division, uh, notable losses, DJ Chark, Dare Agumbawale, James Oshaughnessy, notable additions, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, and in the draft, the only real fantasy relevant player they drafted was Snoop Connor in the fifth. So Jesse, how are you feeling about your Jags and the moves they've made this offseason to improve their team? Yeah, first, I don't know why we're moving down to the Jags, but... Because um, it's down further south. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's more lateral. I don't know geography that well. Because you can I'm only saying. beat the coats at home, that's why. Hey, that's why. That's why. I'll take it. Um, I can see why you're saying down. We, we've been down at the bottom for the last four years of the division, four straight years of, of the fourth place. Um, 2021 was just an absolute shit show. You know, you're talking about Urban Meyer debacle firing them, uh, you know, through the season, ETN preseason injury. You got DJ Chark out week three. You got Robinson with the season-ending injury. Um, you're left with Marvin Jones, Laquan Treadwell, and Tavon Austin, who you picked up on the practice squad. So, you know, even even when we had a spark, we had Jamal Agnew, kick returning, kick sixes, punt return, you know, everything he could possibly do, he gets hurt with a hip injury. So a lot of pressure was put on our quarterback. Uh, Trevor Lawrence at the time being a rookie and it just didn't really nothing really clicked our defense was actually somewhat decent um, but it all amounted to dead last in points per game 14.9 for the NFL and and that's just not going to cut it here in in this day and age so looking forward to 2022 um, more than ever with Doug Peterson as our head coach all right so speaking of the number one overall pick in the second coming uh trevor lawrence how do we see him progressing from last year we know last year was statistically uh historically poor rookie season and and i think a lot of that like you said was due to injury and and the coaching that was there do you see him turning it around with with a steadier hand there with the head coach and some of these weapons they brought in for him 
Yeah, so a lot of people, you know, right away they'll tell you, well, bringing in all these weapons, getting the guys back from injury are the number one things that are going to help um, Trevor Lawrence. But for me, it's not that at all. It's it's head coach Doug Peterson. Um, the guy played in the NFL. He was a quarterback's coach for quite some time, coached up Alex Smith, coached up Michael Vick. You know, he was behind Brett Favre at one time. The guy is a quarterback guru. So to me, um, I think that's our best bet at bringing the best out in Trevor. You know, you have to remember the Eagles brought him in in 2016. And then in Wentz's second year, 2000, or sorry, 2017, um, his second year with Wentz, Wentz was 11 and two at the time with a 33 and seven TD to interception ratio. So, and then he got the knee injury that uh, took him out. But that's amazing. That's crazy stats for 13 games, having 33 touchdowns and seven interceptions. So, I think Doug Peterson himself is what's going to be the answer for us here in Jacksonville. Yes, we we're bringing in Christian Kirk and some of these other weapons that we paid a, a boatload of money. You know, we dropped the most money in free agency, the most guaranteed money. We broke the Patriots record last year and, and guarantee money by $12 million. You know, we're dropping, we're dropping Saudi money here. We're going crazy. So to me, there's a lot of things that have changed and, and, and I'm, I'm an optimist just like, just like you, Dustin. And it, it's hard for me to ever bash. And, and I try and, temper my expectations i mean it's been a long long journey for myself and the jaguars so i'm trying to just take it one day at a time and not get all too sunshine and and pumping but it's hard not to when you, when you see all the things that they're doing around around the kid and around trevor lawrence mm -hmm. hollywood do you see tila uh rebounding this year and what's a reasonable expectation for a qb finish for him well you say rebound but is it really a rebound? I mean, he was a rookie last year. So yeah. what's he rebounding from? I mean, I guess if you go to college, I see what your point is. But, and man, like he said, Jacksonville was a complete shit show all the way around last year. You know, that's – they got nowhere to go but up. I mean, if they go any lower, you know. I'm jumping um, in the lake. No, no. no. And, and, and side note here, I really, I really hate that they let – uh, Urban Meyer go, and I actually hate that uh, Houston uh, decided to let Bob go. You know, Bill O'Brien. I thought they were doing great jobs. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> spoken like a true Titans fan. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I like Lawrence. I've got him in a couple leagues. So, uh, all seriousness, a better coach that is just fundamentally sane. <laughs> Uh, it's got to make him better, right? So uh, adding some weapons. I don't hate the Christian Kirk ad, but, geez, man, that's a lot of money to pay for, for a player of his caliber. You're paying the rest of the like NFL does. Yeah, yeah, they're all filling that burden in their pocket. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, I seen that go across the wire, and I was like, damn, wow, okay. Um, but they're putting weapons around him. I think one thing that I didn't hear anybody mention, if they did, I missed it, Etienne's going to be back. So I think that his college buddy, right? That's some familiarity. They're going through this together. So I think that could help. But uh, for Lawrence, yeah. I mean, if you can get him for the right price, um, I'm actually in a startup auction, uh, Dynasty startup, and uh, he went a little higher than I expected. But if you can get him from the right price, I like it. And, of course, if you can get him in the right round in a draft, I like him too. So, mm -hmm. Pierre, do you think what? Mid-range QB2? kind of best case scenario for the season 
or or am I just talking out of my ass here? <laughs> I mean, potentially. So I'm not I'm not sold on Doug. Oh, Peterson. he's potentially talking out his ass. Well, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Doug Peterson. You know, being the the quarterback. You know, whisper guru. He wasn't for Wentz. I mean, Carson Wentz was a, a number two overall pick. He came back. He couldn't figure it out. And you know, I'm not sure Reich figured it out either. Uh, it could have just been Wentz, but you just got to keep that in mind but you know trevor lawrence was kind of coined you know the next andrew up uh pretty much with that just surefire number one overall pick so he's gonna he's gonna have to prove it now you know they got a new coach they did go out you know get him some weapons so he's got to prove that he was the guy that he was at clemson i think he is um i think he's that talented uh we haven't talked about his rushing upside yeah he can run uh and that's very valuable for for fantasy football we saw that with jalen hurts and if, if Peterson can get him, you know, rushing the ball a little bit more as well, I, I think he can be successful and he would fall into that QB2 range. So I do like Trevor Lawrence. I do think he'll be better. I'm not sure it'll be Peterson, but I think his talent alone, uh, if that team can stay healthy, will we'll take him to where he needs to be. Okay. And then um, Jesse, as Hollywood mentioned here, uh, ETN uh, is coming back, going to be healthy. Uh, I saw a report, was that yesterday or today, uh, that he's going to be ready for OTAs, you know, full full speed, uh, which is great news uh, coming back from that injury. So what is his ceiling realistically coming back from that injury in this offense? How, I, are, are you are you high on him or, or are you just, you know, for this season, at least kind of taking a step back and maybe the following year, you know, as this team improves, his stock will uh, continue to uh, increase. Yeah. I, I got to temper my expectations here and it's mainly on that list Frank injury. I went back and forth with people all day on Twitter today about the list Frank injury and the recovery and what happens later on down the road and, and this and that. And it gets me to start thinking and everything, but you know, people forget what this guy did with Trevor Lawrence. You know, they weren't just college buddies. They were college roommates. And if we're going to talk about Stafford and Cup being breakfast buddies and hanging out all the time, then we got to talk about these guys being <laughs> actual roommates and hanging out nonstop. I mean, Trevor Lawrence almost cried when he heard the news that he was going to be that, – that they lost Travis Etienne for the, the season. Um, so, for me, this got to get a little bump. You know, he led, all, he led college in, in receiving yards in his senior year and was second receptions when, when he was the last time with Trevor Lawrence. So I, I, you know, I don't think James Robinson's coming back anytime soon. A lot of people want to wish and hope that he's coming back quicker than he is, but it's going to take a while. It's going to be mid season. It's going to be late October, you know, and it worries me some, he's not going to just jump right back in and be that James Robinson of old. Yes. We did draft Snoop uh, Connor, which I did a lot of research on him the last few days, and, and he's he's a big guy. He's a muscle guy. He's a thumper. Um, at least ETN still to be that pass-catching back. Yeah, he's got 100% clear, declare free to go on everything. He's returning punts and OTAs yesterday. You know, everyone's seen the footage of him today catching a, just a, a pass across the middle as a wide receiver almost, and, and all of a sudden his stock's skyrocketing. So I don't want to just all of a sudden jump on that bandwagon and push him up higher than running back 20 and, and I still think he has things to prove I still think this offense has things to prove remember I talked about it earlier 14.9 points a game is just not going to cut it and there's a lot of things that have to change the offensive line has been revamped some that we haven't really talked about that much with Trevor Lawrence he was you know sacked more than anything you know 38 sacks uh, pressured you know QB hurries but that offensive line will change some and I think they'll open things up for ETN a little bit so for me um, I'm still in that, 
you know, the 20 range. He's, he's For me, he's still behind, like, Barkley, Jacobs, Dobbins. He's right in that range right there, that QB uh, – sorry, that running back 20, 25 range. Um, I don't know if he's going to be able to, to jump to the top 10 or top 12, you know, be a running back one, so to speak. Eric, do you agree with him? In part, um, I, I think we're right in the same range. I've I've got him as my running back 19 right now. Um, so we're, we're talking about kind of the same caliber of player. Um, the thing that I think is, is kind of funny is how we pick and choose our – uh, analysis of of return from Achilles injury, right? One minute it's Cam Akers did it in five months, so Achilles injuries aren't a problem, and we can expect everyone to come back. And the next minute it's, well, you know, this could be a year long injury. I, I tend to think that Cam Akers is probably the exception and not the rule. So I, I think it's probably going to be more like Jesse said. We're probably going to be looking at, you know, into training camp, into the first couple of weeks of the season before James Robinson is back and available for this team. And if that's the case, that's the opportunity for ETN to really take a, a stranglehold on this job. You know, the the drafting of Snoop is interesting. I, I think it does limit his touchdown upside a little bit. I, I do think we'll see him in some goal line packages. Uh, but ultimately, I mean, ETN's got the, the the door is open. The runway is right in front of him for uh, for him to take this job. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see him, you know, catch 65 70 passes this year uh on top of you know whatever early down work he's able to take on and that's a that's a really valuable commodity in the fantasy game yeah you brought up a great point with snoop um he had 26 touchdowns in his college career and 19 of them were inside the five yard line and i got a great you know someone quoted or got it from nfl.com but his willing to choose violence on every snap and that to me it, it described him perfectly after watching film and, and doing some research on him um he's he, he's gonna get those those vulture some touchdowns now so yeah, sure. etn's gonna have to score from outside you know outside the 20 outside the red zone if he's gonna want to get that touchdown total up but i do like the 65 70 range for receptions i think that is doable and the first few weeks of the season i know people don't like to look at the strength of schedule but the first few weeks is a fairly soft schedule for um the jackson jacksonville running backs um, in, in, as a whole Mm-hmm. And then let's finish the uh, Whoa, chat. I think we're like well, week two. Wait a minute now. <laughs> we're like week two. Don't say it's too soft. We're, we're week well, two. Well, I'm, I'm, with the AFC South. I'm looking at I'm looking at week one Washington. I'm going there, so I'm already I'm already thinking Carson wins week one, and, and, and ETN's got ten. Yeah, you can beat him again now. That's perfectly fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I, I want to hear from each of you here. If you had to put your stake in the sand for one wide receiver that you think is going to be fantasy relevant, um, who is that going to be, and and realistically, where do you see them finishing the season at? So, um, Jax Homer, let's start with you. All right, let's go. Let's go. So, <laughs> you know, it's got to be Christian Kirk. We paid him the money. We're giving him every opportunity. Yes, he plays out of the slot, but he was actually the number two receiver out of the slot. Um, points per game, especially when Hopkins went down. He, he had a 21% target share. And when you're looking at what the Jaguars had, Marvin Jones and LaVisca Chenault, they were actually the bottom 10 of the league out of the slot. So they'll move Marvin Jones to the outside with Zay Jones. LaVisca's kind of mixed up in there. I, I'm really not really con- too much concerned with him. He's kind of flopping on me. But um, for me, it's Christian Kirk 100%. You don't pay a guy that kind of money and not expect to give him the ball as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Wide receiver, too? Wide receiver two for me, um, 
I would have to go with Marvin Jones. He, you know, he was, I believe it's wide receiver 34 last year. Um, and that was with nothing. It was, it was with a terrible offense and he's only two years away from being the only guy in the NFL to, to record nine touchdown seasons and back-to-back seasons in 19 and 20. So for me, he has that touchdown potential if we can get everything rolling here. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're going to turn turn some heads here with this offense a little bit and not be at that 14.9 per, you know points per game. I think we're going to be up more towards the 19, 20 points per game, and, and that will produce a little bit more touchdown ratio. Mm-hmm. All right, Pierre, who are you targeting in this offense? I like Marvin Jones. Um, I'm not a big Christian Church fan. I didn't. I didn't like what he did in Arizona. I thought he had opportunity, like we stated with, with Hawkins going down. They had old man AJ Green, and he really couldn't take hold. I didn't feel of that wide receiver room. Uh, and I think Marvin Jones got a really good connection with Lawrence last year towards the end of the season. Big play guy. We saw it in Detroit. Um, I feel like Christian Kirk will help take some attention off of him. Uh, so I'm going to lean Marvin Jones. I feel like that connection is going to be there. I think his hands are better than Christian Kirk, and I think he has bigger big playability, uh, jump ball ability, as you kind of mentioned as well in those deep plays. So he's the one I kind of prefer uh, there in Jacksonville, even over Christian Kirk. All right. Hollywood, what say you? Yeah, I kind of agree with both Jax and Pierre because uh, they both hit the right answers, right? Um Kirk is going to get the most targets, the most whatever, because of the money, right? They didn't pay him that money to come in there and just look pretty. That's that's not what's happening here. Um, but Marvin Jones, I do like him, and I think it's better for fantasy managers. I think it's better that Christian Kirk did come in and get all this because now Jones, there's no pressure on him, right? Hey, I'm not making this big money you are. I'm just coming in and playing my game. He's already got a year under his belt with Lawrence. Um, hopefully – with the new coaching staff with Meyer gone, hopefully things can streamline and be more smooth and, and none of this off the field stuff. So yeah, as Pierre said on that aspect, I I think Marvin Jones is your guy right there. Okay. Eric, which side do you land on? Yeah, I, I guess I'll be boring and keep the uh, consensus going. So for, for me, it's Christian Kirk, right? <laughs> um, don't, don't follow what organizations say, follow what they do. They spent a ton of money to bring this guy in. Um, and you know, ultimately like he, he's had some pretty solid seasons in, in Arizona, right. You know, doing a bit of research on him. Um, he's played better than kind of my memory serve last year. He almost had a thousand yards. He hauled in 75 balls. Uh, he was wide receiver 30 in points per game. I I think the story for where Kirk finishes, not surprisingly is where, uh, where we see Trevor Lawrence take a step forward. He attempted 602 passes last year he completed less than 60 percent if peterson can just get an incremental improvement out of lawrence i think we're we're seeing kirk be the primary beneficiary of that and he's flirting with a top 25 top 28 wide receiver kind of finish all right i like that okay let's finish off the division here and talk titans first place in the division at 12 and 5 notable (laughs) <laughs> that's it we're done all right notable losses aj brown with that big draft day trade uh julio jones most likely he hasn't re-signed yet with the team but uh, i think if they were going to bring him back they probably would have by now and anthony fersker 
uh, notable additions, uh, our favorite player, one of our favorite players here on the podcast, uh, Robert Woods, and then Austin Hooper. And then in the draft, uh, coming from that A.J. Brown trade uh, in the first, Traylon Burks. They took Malik Willis in the third, Hassan Haskins in the fourth, Chig Akankwo, sorry there, uh, Chig, in the fourth, and Kyle Phillips in the fifth. Um, Hollywood, give us your thoughts about this offseason for your Titans. I've gave these other guys a bashing, so I expect it coming here. So um, (laughs) the AJ trade, I, I don't know what the hell they were thinking. I I really don't know. I think it was they were so far apart. Seemed like um, Philly had no problem giving him a big contract. Soon he was as soon as he was traded. Um, you know there were rumors, or well, it wasn't rumors. AJ came out and said, you know, if they would have give me in that twenty million range, I would have stayed and or 20, 20 to 22 and Titans come out and they were like, well, we gave him a con offered him a deal 16 worth up to 20. So I think they were just so far apart. I think there were some negotiations there that we just hasn't come out yet. Will. Um, so they moved on from him, which, which sucks because we were already hurting at that position. Um, they did draft Traylon Burks and he's going to be immediately, compared to everything that A.J. Brown did, right or wrong. Um, But I've kind of thought about it a little bit, and I don't know that that's not fair, right? Because I think Robert Woods is the guy that you want picking up A.J. Slack. And, you know, he's a little bit older, but he's a veteran. He's been around. He's been productive. Uh, Had a couple injury issues. But he's already, from what I hear, he's already back on the field at OTAs running. So he's way ahead of schedule, which has surprised everybody. Um, I think if you're looking for who's picking up that production, you want it to be Robert Woods. And and if that's the case, I think you want Traylon Burks to be maybe what you thought Julio would bring to the table. Speaking of Julio, he's not coming back. That's That ship sailed, I believe. Um, but I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on Burks to be what AJ was. And I don't know that that's fair. You know, they're uh, right or wrong. I just don't know that that's fair. So um, it'll be interesting. Um, I think if Woods is healthy and Burks can just come in and do his thing, I think we'll be okay. But it's going to be the depth behind them that really makes an impact, I think. Mm-hmm. Now, you've already addressed Robert Woods here and, and uh, I want to talk about, you know, these these two, the two main injury uh, guys coming off injury here uh, with Bobby Trees. Um, you said he's already kind of ahead of schedule, which is great news uh, uh, for us here on the podcast. Um, but what about um, Derek Henry? Um, you know, we saw him come back in the playoffs. Uh, do we see him returning to what we've known Henry to be or you know, now that he's kind of gotten this first injury, he's a little bit older as a running back. Uh, do you find him maybe a little bit becoming more susceptible to injury or, you know, uh, since he is a little bit older? That's going to be the thing, right? We, we, to this point, we've not had to ask that question. We've not had to deal with that. He's been King Henry and he's just run rough shot over the league, especially AFC South, you know, uh, does what he wants, when he wants, how he wants. Um, 
and then this foot injury comes. And uh, that was my question last year. Uh, I know we were in that window, and I think we're still in that window of a Super Bowl, but it's closing quickly, right? I think once you hit that window, right, it, it, it's real small, right? So they were in the window, and the, he seemed healthy and fine, but even being cleared healthy and fine, coming off of an injury like that, there's some concerns, right? You have to get back in shape, and you have to get back to you. So he kind of seemed off last year, right? Um, he's been doing things a man his size should not be doing, just beating people down. Um, I'm hoping and feel that with a complete full off season for him to recover, uh, get back healthy, I think we will get back to seeing the King Henry that owns the AFC South, that owns the NFL as far as a running back. Um, and if that's the case, I, we're, we're the favorites again. I mean, because everything's running through him, right? It's There's no questions about what we're doing or what we want to do. It's King Henry, right? You, you want to beat people down and get in the fourth quarter and just let him just run roughshod over everybody. So as um, long as the foot's good, I think we're all right. Okay. Eric, do you see both these players returning to the form we've been accustomed to seeing them play at? Yeah, I think so. With regard to, to King Henry, I mean, he, he made it back for that playoff game. Um, he, didn't, he didn't look great in that game, but they still gave him, like, I think it was like 20 or 22 touches, right? Like, if there was much of an injury yeah. concern there, I don't think they're giving him that workload in his first game back, right? So... Now we roll the ball forward six months or so. Um, you know, I, I think that the health concerns are somewhat on the back burner for for King Henry, right? The the real question for him is over the course of the eight games or regular season games that he started last season, he was on pace to double his pass catch, his passes catch, excuse me, um, from from his his career high, right? It it wasn't a, a crazy mark. He was on pace for like 40, but previously right. it was like 18 or 19. Um, so if that role in the offense persists, I think that we're looking at uh, the the ceiling to be running back one pretty clearly. If he, you know, if he sticks more to the kind of ground and pound guy, I mean, we saw a few years ago, you know, RB3, RB4 is kind of as high as he can go, which is roughly where he's being drafted. So he's an interesting one to watch, but I'm, I'm not overly concerned for King Henry. Okay. Pierre, do you agree that, that Henry can be uh, returned to his top five at minimum form this season? I do. I mean, he's a, he's a different guy. He's a different beast. I do think the, the King has been dethroned in the AFC South. Uh, I think Jonathan uh, Taylor yeah. is, the, is the guy younger uh, burst, uh, which, which Henry, I mean, I, I love Derek Henry. He's, he's a hoss and it's amazing that he hasn't broken down already. Uh, so I do hope he can return to form. Uh, I believe that foot injury, injury actually happened uh, in Indianapolis, uh, the OT game where Carson went through it left-handed in the end zone for some reason. But I think he will return to form. I think they'll need him to. Um, I think we should all thank uh, Christian Kirk for A.J. Brown no longer being <laughs> on the Titans because his deal kind of just set the market. You whoa, know, whoa, Dante whoa. Adams, this is Tyree favoritism. Hill. No, no. <laughs> so uh, thank you to Christian Kirk. But, yeah, I, I do think Henry will return to form. Uh, but you mentioned the pass catching. I think Taylor's going to get more involved uh, in the passing game as well. You look at one of the, the main concerns with Carson Wentz is he couldn't take the layups. He couldn't take the check down. So 
he missed, you know, Taylor, Naeem Hines, those type of playmakers on, you know, wide open spots, you know, underneath. Uh, Matt Ryan's going to be very happy to throw it underneath. So I, I feel like Taylor <laughs> will have that rushing upside as well. But yes, Derrick Henry will probably be about five back again. Okay. And Jesse, um, you know, everyone's been focusing on Derrick Henry here, but let's talk about Robert Woods. Can he be a wide receiver one? I, I mean, obviously he's not a plug and play replacement for AJ Brown. Cause that, that guy is a special player, uh, especially with how he's utilized in that offense. But um, do you, do you see Robert Woods uh, being a, what mid mid wide receiver two low end wide receiver one possibly you know we tend to forget with this titan offense it's not focused around the wide receiver it is focused around derrick henry and i don't want to deflect the question but there's only two things i'm more scared of in my life and that's the dentist and derrick henry so for me the king the king will always be there until he retires he will always be the king um as far as robert woods goes and Traylon burks can you have two wide receiver twos without a wide receiver one is how I look at it. You know, just an offshoot. I, I follow a lot of Brooks games. Uh, a guy that I work with is a huge Arkansas fan. So I've watched everything or, or been told everything about the guy. His hand size is huge. His yak is ridiculous. You know, he, he has the potential to be AJ Brown. I just don't know in, in season one, if he can do, you know, his rookie season, if he can do what AJ Brown did. Robert Woods, I think I think he's going to be pretty decent. You know, talked about um, Hollywood talked about right before um, he's back. You know, I just watched an OTA tape today where he was running some crazy drills that, like, yeah, I'm not in the NFL, but I also didn't tear my ACL. I couldn't even do some of the stuff that he's doing out there right now. So I think the injury is far gone from now, and I think he'll be ready week one. And, and I love Robert Woods. I mean, he's he's always been a, a staple piece in most offenses um, for his whole career. So I don't see that changing any. I just don't think there's a lot of volume in the offense for a wide receiver. Uh, that's just me. I, I think there's two wide receiver twos and, and Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. Hollywood, do you agree with that? And do you see Traylon Burks, maybe not this year um, as a rookie kind of, uh, and I know you already kind of alluded to this and talked about it briefly about um, him stepping into that AJ Brown role, but you know maybe in a year or two, do you see him, you know, fulfilling his potential and really stepping into that role and, and taking over that 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 role in that offense, or or not? Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I think a lot of times, anytime you bring in a rookie right to replace a star or fill a hole or whatever, there's so much pressure put on him, right? Um, I think he can be. Um, I think it's unfair to immediately say, oh, he's got to replace A.J. Brown because A.J. Brown has proven in his time at Tennessee he's one of the best receivers in the league, right? Um, Like the commission said down there, I don't know that there's a lot of – pass opportunities in Tennessee because clearly everybody knows it. We run through Henry, right? But if you're replacing a AJ Brown, then I think there is an opportunity for two receivers. I think Robert Woods can step in. I think Traylon uh, Burks can step in. So I think there's enough there for two number twos. Now, if you're looking at two number ones, 
I'm not really going that way, right? And and these number twos are a little different because you got one that's a veteran, knows what to do, uh, has been around for a while. So you're kind of kind of lean on him. Burks can kind of come in behind him and just do his thing and, and evolve. So yeah, I think maybe not this year, but next year I definitely think he takes off. And uh, I think it was you, Jack, said you had a friend that had watched him a lot. Oh, I know yeah. there's a well, see, the, there's one thing because Tennessee fans they're rabid. You know, they're they're they don't give two shits. They'll they'll light you up, right? <laughs> so Burks has got this asthma thing, and everybody's all over him. Uh, yeah, he was overweight coming in from practice. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah so <laughs> they're all over him because he come out and he run a few drills, and then he went in the locker room, and then he come back out again. And I'm like, just just pump the brakes on this kid. Y'all are putting way too damn much pressure on him. Just let him be him. He'll be fine. So, yeah, I, I, I like it. I think uh, I think Woods is going to uh, be our guy, and I think Burks is going to come in and compliment him well and maybe be our guy down the road, but you got to give him time. Mm-hmm. Pierre, do you agree that uh, it's, it's Woods over Burks for this season at least? I think so. Uh, it's tough with Robert Woods because I don't, I don't know if he's a, a top guy. Like you look at when he was in Buffalo before he, he got to the the Rams, he didn't really. I don't know. He didn't. He didn't step out to me. Uh, he stepped out once he had the other talent around him. So it'll be interesting to see if he can step out again. I'm kind of pulling for for Traylon Burke because I'm overweight with asthma as well. So knowing that, I I kind of hope he does well. Uh, but uh, I think I, I'll, I'll wait for us. But I'm, I'm sure. All right, and then uh, let's finish up the talk here uh, with with probably this. I don't know if I should say second most important piece of this offense, but that's the quarterback position and, and Ryan Tannehill. Now, you know, up until last season, he was a fairly good late round QB last year, had some struggles. Didn't wasn't quite what we had, had seen the previous couple years. Do we receive, do we see him um, getting back to what we had seen the last couple of seasons before that? Uh, is he someone that that you want to target in in a redraft, you know, one QB league this year, or is he kind of off your uh, radar? Hollywood, go. Ooh, this is touchy, touchy subject. Um, one QB redraft? No, no. I think there's a lot more options, um, and I, you know, I. I give it a lot, so I expect to get it a lot, right? But uh, at the same time, I like to be real. Uh, we we saw what Tanny Hill was without Henry, right? Um, you can't – he's played well um, and been everything, I think, up to this point, been exactly what we hoped he would be, right? Uh, Henry goes down, we keep winning, and then you get in the playoffs and he just – he just shit the bed against Cincinnati and you can't do that. Right. You, you just can't do that. Um, when Henry's healthy and just steamrolling people and you have some options and weapons out there for him, I think Tanny Hill's just fine. I, I, I do. I think he's a, he's a good solid quarterback. He knows what to do. He knows his role 
and he can do it. But I think uh, if you kind of put him in a situation where he thinks I have to do something or they're leaning a little more on him, I think that's where you screw up. So um, redraft quarterback one, no way, no way, no way. I'm not touching him. Eric, do you agree? No. Give me all the Ryan Tannehill. Ooh. Um, I, I mean, he's he's been kind of a head scratcher since he came to the Titans, right? He was this sort of like meh dude uh-huh. in Miami, and then all of a sudden he gets to Tennessee, and he's like the most efficient quarterback in the history of quarterback play. Um, uh-huh. I think last year we we saw a bit of regression in that regard, right? He had his most inefficient year as a Titan, and he still finished as QB 12, right? A QB one technically Um, for Tannehill much to my chagrin. I'm sure Pierre and Jesse feel the same way. He's a real son of a bitch (laughs) around the goal line. Like anytime you think about this team, all of a sudden he's he's sneaking it it for five yards and getting a touchdown. Yeah. Um, Year over year, 250 yards and seven, seven rushing touchdowns. And now, unlike last year where some people had him as high as QB six or seven in terms of ADP, he's QB 22 off the board right now. So to get a guy that's in a pretty good chance to finish top 10, top 14 as essentially a last round flyer. Yeah. I'll take that value all day. Mm -hmm. Jesse, do you agree with Eric? I kind of do. And I agree with the rushing ability that he has. Nothing's more frustrating than his ability into the end zone with the ball over his head. It just pisses me off more than anything. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about there. You see me. Happen. I love this. Oh, I'm pissing y'all off, and I ain't even saying anything. <laughs> you know, the offense is efficient, and when you have someone like Derrick Henry that's going to continue to give that efficiency throughout the, the season, his touchdowns are going to be there. The yards aren't going to be so wow. much, but when you factor in that rushing ability where he can throw a rushing touchdown in or, or run for 20, 30 yards a game, I think that bumps him up a little. I'm not really sure about QB1. In a super flex, I'm, I'm drafting him all day. Like we said, all four of these quarterbacks go in that 20 range, and I think it's a right. beautiful spot for not just one, but maybe even all four of them to, to really show some value in that super flex uh, later on in the draft. The guy's tough as nails. I loved how tough he was in Miami. Comes to Tennessee, and, and there can't be a better quarterback to pair with Derrick Henry, when you're talking about that ferociousness, the the, the cocky attitude, um, I just like what I see when Tannehill's out there. He doesn't back down from anything. And, and like you said, they lost Derrick Henry, but they still won games with Tannehill. It wasn't like the, the season was over. You guys didn't give up. I mean, you still made it to the playoffs right. without your number one weapon. And, and that shows something for a quarterback to do that, um, go from a rush-heavy uh, rush offense to all of a sudden losing the ball, you know, losing the Yeti himself. And then they had to change the offense completely. You know, you couldn't rely on your backup running backs. You had to rely on Tannehill. And he proved that he could do that. So I do like where he's at. I just don't think he's going to get into that top 12 uh, number. There's a lot of talent in the AFC, honestly, alone that that pushes him out. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I know it sounds like I was kind of bashing him, but I I really ain't. I mean, the question was, is he a QB1 in a redraft? No, no way. I mean, there's way too many. you got – Probably well, not probably. You've got four quarterbacks in the AFC West by itself. Yeah, that mm-hmm. fantasy wise, you're taking above him. So, I'll tell you the worst thing is when Henry doesn't get in the end zone on first and go. 
Because you know a bootleg is now in play (laughs) for Tannehill. And it's going to ruin your Sunday. It's going to ruin your lineups. But the the one piece I think we're missing a little bit is is Austin Hooper. Um, He can catch the ball. Uh, He's a a good pass-catching tight end, which many thought Ferkshire was going to be. He was not. So I think you got to take Austin Hooper into account. I'm personally frustrated because I was hoping he'd be a coach. And he went to the Titans two days before the Matt Ryan trade. And obviously him and Ryan had the connection in Atlanta. But I think you got to really consider uh, Hooper. I think he's a better catcher than Jonu. And uh, obviously, you know, Jeff Swain even got a couple of touchdowns last year. Well, so. Hooper's a definite upgrade, right? Yep. So he's going to he's gonna make some – he's going to make Tannehill yeah, better. Definite I think tight ends over... make, make him better. Yeah. Yeah, he's a definite upgrade over Furcher. And, and nothing – not to disrespect Furcher, he gave his all. You know, he's one of those effort guys. But talent-wise, he's just not there. So Hooper's an upgrade. And uh, if you're looking at because we're in rookie season, right? Hassan Haskins mm-hmm. is a guy you're going to want to draft right now. He He's going to be or perceived to be kind of what they hoped that Darrington Evans was. Different players, of course. Uh, but they're looking for somebody that can get 10 to 12 carries in that first half, maybe into the third quarter. So they can kind of take some of the load off of Henry early, but they still want to be able to pound and wear people down. And if Haskins can do that, Henry's going to be vicious in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I feel like that is a good spot to end this show on that statement there. So before oh, we're just getting started. Well, it's been almost an hour and a half here. I want to be cognizant of all your time. You know, I uh, appreciate that, that you guys have spent so much time with us here today. So, but before we let you all go, uh, let's go around the room. I'll give you all each a moment here to uh, uh, plug whatever you've got working on, where we can find you, all that sorts of good stuff. So, uh, Pierre, let's start with you. Yes, I'm over on uh, Fantasy Impact today. Uh, that's at uh, FIT today uh, underscore. Uh, mostly focused on DFS myself, DFS Dreamers, uh, the podcast. But right now we're doing some off-season work, uh, me and my host, Wes Easley. So come check us out at uh, Fantasy Impact Today Network. All right, definitely go do that. Hollywood, you're up next. Uh, yeah, uh, you can find uh, all my work at idpnation.com. Uh, we have our own page now. Uh, we do the idpnation.com podcast. And if you're really crazy like me and into the college stuff, we do a Debbie IDP grind podcast, uh, which gets into the college side of stuff. Um, we got a lot of stuff going on. Um, can find us anywhere doing all kinds of stuff. So uh, yeah, check us out there. All right, Eric, you're up. Uh, so I always do this wrong. The best place to find me is right here on Twitter. Um, my work is kind of all over the place. Um, so if, if you, uh, if you follow me at fantasy nav, you'll find all of it condensed down, uh, right now, a couple of things that I'm working on contributing for going for two, as well as drrodo.com. We're also just about to start, uh, fundraising for our charity league pros with Joe's. Um, all the information is on Twitter there at pros with Joe's. Um, and most recently, myself and one of my longtime friends started a niche sports DFS outfit. Uh, it's called Green Screens Media. I just changed my handle to say Get Green Screens. Um, so if you're looking for some DFS information on 
college basketball, NASCAR, disc golf, yard darts, whatever it might be. Um, the more niche the sport, the better. So get over to Get Green Screens and check us out. All right. And last but certainly not least, Jesse. All right. So I took a year off, so I'm kind of getting back into it. This is my first podcast in over a year. Um, I used to have a bunch of work on hammercast.com. Uh, right now, though, I'm, I'm kind of rebranding myself. Still Jack's Commish. Um, so right now I'm just a freelancer doing DFS, writing articles. I usually just whoever needs me, I come on, pop on. I'd love to write for whoever. So if you need me, come find me at, at Jack's Commish. All right, Jake, anything you want to say here before we sign off for the evening? This was one of the most interesting divisions that we've had on. So it lived up to the height that I set forth for it. So I appreciate you all for coming on and sharing your perspectives on your teams. It's going to be an interesting one. So uh, I'll be following along closely. Yeah. Thanks for uh, uh, joining us again, uh, gentlemen. It was a pleasure having you on. Had a lot of fun uh, cutting it up with you this evening. Um, Folks, go out and you can find us at Drinking Fantasy. Uh, We'll take any of your DMs, any fantasy football-related questions or otherwise. We're here for you. You can find my partner in crime at Jake Trowbridge on Twitter. You can find me at FF Dusty Dog. Go out and give us a rate and review. It helps others find us and become more accessible, uh, which is definitely what we want out there. Spread the word. Uh, one more time. Oh, one I more. Can't help, I, I can't help myself. You know, Saxonville, F the Colts, and nobody cares about Houston. So, and on that note, folks. We'll see you next week. Keep drinking and talking fantasy football. (laughs) Uh, Cheers, FFers.